Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and a very warm welcome back to the Lizard Wellbeing Show. And oh my goodness, I am very thrilled to be sharing this episode with you today because I've just had a truly brilliant chat with Dr. Kenneth Bock. Now, Dr. Bock has been a practicing physician for over 35 years, accruing decades of experience, diagnosing the root causes of chronic illnesses and rebalancing immune systems, particularly when it comes to brain health. After graduating with the highest distinction from the State University of New York at Buffalo in 1973, Dr. Bock went on to earn his MD with honours in 1979, and he has since become an expert in children's health over the course of his career, specialising in complex medical problems, including what he calls the four A disorders, and that's autism, ADHD, asthma, and allergies. In his own words, he often takes over where other practitioners leave off, investigating the unanswered questions and pursuing the true causes of seemingly incurable mystery illnesses. His latest book is called Brain Inflamed, uncovering the hidden causes of anxiety, depression and other mood disorders in teens and adolescents. And it is an absolutely fascinating look at the causes behind these mental health conditions that seem to have had just such a worrying rise in recent years, the recent year especially. He has an extremely interesting holistic approach to our brains and bodies, understanding the vital importance of our gut health to our overall health. So I am very much looking forward to hearing your thoughts on all this and more on Instagram after the show. And don't forget that if you'd like to watch our chat, you can now find full video podcasts over on the Lizard Wellbeing YouTube channel. So without waiting any longer, let's get right into the episode. So Dr. Buck, very warm welcome to my podcast here. I have to say I have been anticipating this discussion for some time because you are talking about many issues that are extremely close to my heart as a mother of five with several adolescents in my family and people who have been affected by some of the areas of your specialization. So thank you for being with us. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's 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 great. And I think what we're focusing on today is really the subject of your new book, you know, The Inflamed Brain and talking particularly about adolescence, although there are some other things that I'd, I'd love to cover off as well. But should we talk a little bit about your background? You've obviously been a physician now for 35 years or so. 
amazing depth of knowledge. You've written many, many books on a variety of subjects. Why adolescence now? I mean, is this something that came out of the pandemic and mental health for younger people? So it's interesting. Uh, you know, it's always interesting in terms of our careers, how we segue into the next phases. And um, way back in the, in the late 1990s, I was researching some immune modulators, something called transfer factors, which uh, are good for cell-mediated immunity. And I was looking at uh, which conditions they may uh, be helpful with. I was looking at Th1, Th2 imbalances in the immune system. And I started uh, looking at various conditions. And it turns out I got to autism. And mm. the people in the autism community heard about my work and asked me to give a lecture. And I'll never forget it, May 1998. Um, and I gave this lecture. I'll, I'll never forget it because I eventually got very involved in the organization. But that first right. lecture was five o'clock. The last lecture, the last day I figured everybody, oh, yeah, they're putting me in. They didn't know me at the time. And I gave this lecture on transfer factors and it turns out on uh, my, some of my research on, on, uh, on, on how it may relate to autism. And the audience took it. They, they were almost full. Most, nobody left for some reason. And... Uh, you know, I usually can give a pretty good presentation. So they really uh, liked And all of a sudden, they loved this integrative approach that I had, which really yeah. many people were not doing in the late 1990s. And so sure. autistic kids swarmed to my doors from all over the country and then eventually all over the world. And as I saw thousands of autistic kids, I then the parents started to ask me about their other kids who weren't in the spectrum but had anxiety, depression, OCD, mood disorders. And right. so... It turns out really that the same things apply in a lot of ways. They're not obviously the same, but the mm -hmm. same approach can be the same results. And then I started looking at the inflammation in the autistic brain. Uh, an article way back in 1995 was really a sentinel article. And then more and more research in the 2000s, especially in the last 10 years, of inflammation mm -hmm. in psychiatric disorders. And so... I, I didn't really want to, my other book came out in 2007. I, I really waited for this book until I felt like I had something more to say. You know, I just didn't want to jump and write another book. The other book was very successful. And I felt like it was important to address this whole population of teens and adolescents that are, quote, neurotypical, but have only neuropsychiatric symptoms, but yet really have inflammation and other things underlying it. And that's really, I mean, it's a long-winded, but that's how I got to it, actually. It's very, yeah. There's a couple of things I really want to pick up on there straight away. The first is, for anybody listening, can we come up with a definition for integrative medicine? Because this is something that we're hearing quite a lot about. You are clearly, you know, a classically trained medic and researcher. You know, what is the definition of integrated medicine and how does it differ from other perhaps more conventional forms? So firstly, I'm going to tell you what it's not in my mind. Okay. It's not a smorgasbord of a little bit. And this is nothing against any of the entities I'm going to talk about. It's not a little sprinkling of chiropractic with a little acupuncture and a little bit of uh, meditation. That's what it's not. Those are various modalities that may be included as modalities in an integrative medicine treatment program. But for me, integrative medicine from a physician who is trained at a very conservative medical school, University of Rochester mm -hmm. School of Medicine. And, you know, I've certainly used medications all the time. I refer people to surgery. But it's a mindset. It's much more than this sprinkling of modalities. It's a way of looking at problems, especially chronic issues, because yeah. I think conventional medicine is great for acute uh, situations. No question. You fracture a leg, you want to see an orthopedist, etc. But 
it's the chronic illness that escapes. It's not really uh, one uh, one etiology, one disease, one vector, one disease. It's much more complex. Things are much more interwoven. So it's a way of approaching problems, looking at root causes, trying to look at all the interwoven variables, and then ameliorating them or remediating them. And and it's that's why it's integrative. So you may use various types of evaluations, which may be very standard labs. Um, it may be looking at certain labs in a deeper way, in an interpretation mm-hmm. not being limited by being black or white, but recognizing as you know, some people would refer to integrative medicine as called functional medicine. Um, yeah. Uh, in in a, you're looking at spectrums. You're looking at function. You're not looking at like you're either. Your heart is either normal or you have a heart attack. Your thyroid is either normal or it's abnormal. There's a spectrum of function, and what may look normal at the lower end may not be normal for that person. So integrative medicine is an appreciation of what may be interacting in a patient and the subsequent investigation. I become like a medical detective looking for the things that I can remediate. And um, I, I will tell you that in chronic illness, it works really, really well, and that's why I've had so many success stories and people travel from all over the world because there's some times when somebody has a thyroid problem that they need to be treated even though their TSH is high normal and their thyroid T4, T3, uh, the free T4, free T3 are low normal. When many doctors say, well, they're fine. Well, they're not fine if they're fatigued and constipated and depressed. You know what I mean? So you one has to recognize. So I would say integrative medicine, that's what integrative medicine fares the best with chronic illnesses and for me especially the difficult to diagnose, difficult to treat, the chronic fatigues, the fibromyalgias, yeah. the autoimmunes and, and these uh, neuropsychiatric disorders. So hopefully yeah. that well, helps. As my, uh, as, as my listeners know, I, I do have experience of that within my own family ongoing, so I'm especially interested to hear about it. And the other key word that you mentioned, and in fact I guess the clue is in the title of your book, is inflammation. And certainly we're hearing here, and I'm working in the world of well-being, inflammation being used all the time in relation to almost every disorder, almost every form of dis-ease within the human body. How do you define it within the brain and what is causing this and, and how do we fix it? Ah, well, that's, <laughs> that's quite a question. <laughs> is, that, is that an easy question? <laughs> well, I think first we have to differentiate between inflammation between acute inflammation and chronic inflammation. You, you, all your listeners will probably understand acute inflammation. That's if you cut yourself, let's say, on a, a stick, a stickler, you know, and, uh, or you, uh, you you sprain something and you get uh, swelling and redness. That's acute inflammation, and that's part of the healing process. You know, you're trying to heal a wound that you got walking in the woods, let's say, and you get a little redness around it and stuff. You know, hopefully you don't get pussy discharge from infection, but part of the healing process is inflammation, and that's healthy inflammation, and then it resolves. Mm. But overwhelming inflammation or persistent inflammation that doesn't go away becomes chronic, that's a problem, and that's what we're looking at in these chronic illnesses. And the inflammation uh, can be present, in, uh, you exactly right, in every single organ system. So we can look at even cardiac disease, the blood vessels, it's not only cholesterol, as was kind of mistakenly thought of for so long. The inflammation sure. is a very important part. The blood vessels, you can see inflammation in autoimmune disease and joints and skin like psoriasis and arthritis. And here we can, you have inflammation in the immune system where there are some immune cells 
that get upregulated and they produce all these inflammatory mediators that when, and a lot of it emanates in the gut, which we'll certainly be able to talk about, but yeah. emanating from the gut, frequently, getting through what we might call uh, a gut with increased permeability or leaky gut, allowing these systemic media, uh, inflammatory mediators to get up towards the brain to this barrier called the blood-brain barrier that's supposed to protect the brain. But in essence, these inflammatory mediators and or infectious agents may cause that blood-brain barrier to become more permeable. And even stress can do this in the gut and the brain. Mm -hmm. It becomes more permeable and allows more inflammatory mediators to get in the brain, which are not supposed to. And then there are these immune cells in the brain called microglia that get these messages that they get then upregulated and overactive, produce, it's a feed-forward uh, network of producing more and more inflammatory mediators and the neurons get actually get inflamed to the point where they may even die and and then they end up uh, letting you know their contents because they get so inflamed and and then right. you get uh, whether it be cellular immunity or immune globulins directed against and you can get inflammation and even autoimmunity and it's a mess it's really a mess yes. and the thing is the, the the symptoms can only be psychiatric sometimes which is the which is there's more and more research in the last decade about neuropsychiatric disorders and brain inflammation. In other words, that there's something more than just psychological stuff. That's the whole purpose I wanted people to understand, that people yeah. who seem, you know, sometimes, oh, they're crazy or they're, you know, or just depressed. It's not just psychological. There is actually medical reasons, and, and you can give them something like Celebrex, uh, uh, Celecoxib, which is a... a anti-inflammatory, like, you know, ibuprofen. I don't know what in, yeah. in, in, you call it. You know, it's Advil here or Motrin, but I don't know what it's called in the uh, yeah. in England, but yeah. it's ibuprofen. And, yeah. and, and, and Celebrex may have another name, but they're anti-inflammatories and they can actually help psych symptoms. And it's not a psych med. It's an anti-inflammatory. That is so fascinating. fascinating. You know, I know a lot, a lot of people listening will perhaps have children or grandchildren or know of children who are diagnosed as being on the spectrum, you know, whether we're looking at autism or ADHD or other conditions. Is this something that children tend to be born with? Or is this something that develops as a result of perhaps leaky gut or uh, an inflammation issue that happens in childhood? I think you're born with a potentially a genetic predisposition, but I don't think you're born with it. I think one of the things I do in one of the earliest chapters in the book is talk about this immune kettle where there are different layers that add up in a person. And at the top of the kettle, when you boil over, like if you're boiling water, you know, and it boils over, that's when you get symptoms. So the lower down you are, let's say, you know, the lower down you're on the kettle, the more you can accumulate and, and handle without going over and mm -hmm. getting symptoms. And the genetic predisposition is the lowest layer and it varies in size. So somebody with really fortunately good genes may have a very thin genetic predisposition that allow them the opportunity for more reserve. But somebody with unfortunately maybe bad genetics may have a very high uh, uh, genetic predisposition. And then when you add things to it, like infections or nutrient deficiencies or hormonal imbalances, um, or allergies, you know, you then rise up and then you put stress on that. And the interesting right. thing is stress can be so large, it throws people over and into symptoms. And so it's so easy to say, oh, it's stress. They forget all the other layers of the kettle that made this person 
predisposed to stress throwing them over. You know, some people can tolerate much more stress than others. Because stress is, if you look at the literature, it's really stress causes systemic inflammation. And I don't want to disappoint people, but it's really important to recognize that in terms of how we deal with stress, because stress indeed causes systemic inflammation. Which is, of course, not good news for any of us living in the last 18 months or so, because we've been surrounded by such societal stress on every level. And, you know, are you concerned as a physician of the impact on our brain health? Totally. I mean, you know, I, I, I think with the uh, isolation, uh, uh, loneliness, there's been so much more depression, especially in adolescents. I mean, I see thousands of adolescents yeah. and, and and yeah. this has been so hard on, on children as well. I, I say the transitional years are the hardest. You know, kids going to mm -hmm. kindergarten for the first time, uh, high school students graduating, they miss their graduation, they miss their proms. Sure. College students, you, yeah. have, you have kids like that, you know, right? Freshmen, yeah, freshmen sure. in college. It's, it's very real. Yeah. So it's, and I think, you know, it's, it's been a very difficult time, obviously, for most. And we're obviously, hopefully, we are coming out of it here. I hope it's similar in England, but it's... I hope so. To be able to hug, yeah, I think you guys are doing a little bit, you know, I mean, to be able to hug a friend. I mean, I'm a big hugger. I think hugging is very, oh, my very... Goodness. Yeah, and my mom, you know, I, I was brought up wait, to, to hug. You know, she used to have this rule. It was three hugs a day, you know, and she was like, have you three it. hugs a day? You know, I mean, that's a minimum. She was very... In my book. <laughs> yeah, she was very forward thinking. <laughs> Interesting talking about the things that can trigger uh, with children, because something that I've become aware of here, and I know that you cover this also, is the fact that acute inflammation or infection can trigger some of these serious psychiatric conditions. So I've become aware of something called PANS here in the UK, which I'd love to talk about, where parents whose children experience you know, it might be something like tonsillitis, or I think you call it strep throat in, in America, or they have exposure to, you know, sepsis or severe bacterial infection. And then suddenly their brain behavior changes. They, de they develop OCD or they develop tics or compulsiveness or ang acute anxiety relating to an infection. Can we talk about that? Totally, because I think that's, you know, there's a, you know, it's one of the largest chapters in the book because it's, it's very fascinating to me. It's, probably the largest growing part of my practice because these, a lot of these parents have been told that kids are just anxious or, you know, yeah. or the parents are just being too, you know, whatever. And um, it's, it's not the infection itself that does it. It's the infection produces an immune reaction and that immune reaction can be misdirected to parts of the brain, especially the basal ganglia, which are deep inside the brain, very small, but they, they're involved with emotions, they're involved with movements, that's where you can get tics, or even chorea, I mean, tics, you know, you know, like this, or, you know, yes, blinking, or, shaking your know, head, really. and, and, and rapid eye movements, and that kind of thing. Chorea can even be like, I have kids, you can't imagine what they, they you know. Just and, throwing their arms up in the air. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty dramatic, and it's easy to, oh, they're just anxious. No, no, it's, it's because the basal ganglia is affected. And really? the reason is because specifically with strep, which is one type, we were calling, we call that PANDAS, which is a pediatric uh, autoimmune neuropsychiatric disorder associated with strep. I've heard of that. Yeah, th th there's a very good charity, actually, in, in, in the UK covering that, which I'll, I'll mention at the end. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so that's PANDAS. They, then in 2012, they expanded PANDAS to PANS, P 
pediatric acute neuropsychiatric syndrome because it's not just strep, it's mycoplasma. It can be viruses like herpes. It can be Lyme disease and Bartonella, tick-borne diseases. So yeah. we have to be really aware of all the things that can cause it. But it, specifically in the case of strep, the strep bacteria has something that's called an epitope. It's a tiny piece of the strep that is exactly the same as a tiny piece of the basal ganglia. I'm talking about a tiny piece. So that when the antibodies attack the strep in that specific epitope, they see that on the basal ganglia and they think it's the strep and they go after the basal ganglia. And that causes inflammation of the basal ganglia and we get all these symptoms. So it's not actually the strep itself. It's the misdirected immune response to the strep. Mm -hmm. And so we have to treat it in a number of ways. One is to treat the strep. So we use antibiotics. And of course, in integrative medicine, we protect the gut and the liver. So we give lots sure. of probiotics and prebiotics and all that. But you also sometimes have to modulate the immune system with anti-inflammatories. And sometimes even with the really severe cases that I see uh, where kids, I've seen kids that haven't been in school for three years. I see kids that were normal that start acting like they're four years old. They're babbling. They no longer see their friends. They're OCD. I had one that wouldn't leave a room, would not leave a room, was peeing and pooping. And it was really sad. And another where they, they could not be in the house with a father or a brother. And the father and brother had to move out for two years. Oh, um, my goodness. Because it's, it's close. You know, and you, you think, oh, it's great. Well, it's yeah. real. And we need to do, then we do this thing called IVIG, which is this, major two-day IV. It's very expensive. It's very intense, but it mm. can, you know, and one's not magic, but sometimes you do that every month for a few and you can turn yeah. these kids around with everything else. We do a lot of natural anti-inflammatories, yeah. but True. the key is always to try to get what's driving. See, that's the point I would yeah. want to make. It's not just covering it up with a bandaid. Obviously we use anti-inflammatories, but you, you need to always ask the question, what's driving the inflammation? What's driving this kid to all of a sudden be fine one day at a student, lots of friends, great kid in the family, you know, mm. uh, real captain of their uh, soccer team. Uh, and then they wake up in the morning, an alien, I'm telling you. Uh, and you're talking about suicidal, homicidal rages. Yeah. And, you know, uh, you know, it's what I call this mood dysregulation spectrum, which I talk about in the book, but it's, yeah. it can really vary from all the different symptoms. But that is just so fascinating. I mean, I, I think that, you know, for, for somebody listening to this, to, to even just be presented with the idea that somebody who is presenting with such an extreme, quote unquote, psychiatric disorder could actually be treated by using something like basic antibiotics and, and, and a couple of, you know, Nurofen. I mean, I, I you know, um, don't, don't mean that in, in a literal sense, but, but, uh, but, but you, know, you know, to be taking a specialized course under, under direction of ibuprofen and antibiotics to help something like OCD or a nervous tick or anxiety or suicidal tendencies. I mean, how do the psychiatric establishment respond to that? Because they, they seem to be very much involved in all the, the, the clinical kind of psychiatric meds. What, what, what's their take on it? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Get up to 30% off wedding jewelry at bluenile.com. And remember the joy of your wedding day forever. Blue Nile offers everything from diamond and lab-grown diamond wedding bands to classic pearls, earrings you can design yourself, even gorgeous sapphire pieces for your something blue. Whatever you choose, Blue Nile's pieces are all graded for excellence, for a lasting memento as brilliant as the love that inspired it. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash ACAST. Well, the take is very interesting. It's changing. It, it depends where you are. There are pockets mm-hmm. in the... Uh, States where I, I hear the parents say, well, they don't believe it where I am. There may be a city and, and the medical school there where they have experts that say, we don't believe this exists. Now, I have to be honest, I don't know how you can say that because there's all this literature and I have uh, right. tons of cases and it's not placebo. It's not placebo, trust me. And and yeah. I know the immunology and I discuss it, you know. Um, so, but the sad thing is if you go to a specialist who doesn't believe it exists, and it's, quote, garden variety anxiety or OCD, that may delay treatment. And the longer the brain is inflamed, the harder it is. You know, it's just right. the way, you, the, the earlier you get information, the, the earlier you can prevent the downstream effects of neurodegeneration and things. It's never too late, trust me, but the right. earlier the better. And that's why I've tried to educate people and doctors. So the psychiatrist, interestingly enough, there's a whole segment of psychiatry. Now, they, they started this thing called immunopsychiatry that, is, is trying mm-hmm. to understand these things. And there are articles that will actually say, so many of our psychiatric, you know, that, that may have underlying autoimmune or inflammatory components that, right. so the, it's yeah. entering the literature in the last decade and more and more. So I think it's, I, I hope so, because when a, a parent is told by someone they trust that that doesn't exist or this is just Absolutely. psychiatric and the only thing you can do is psych meds, uh, it's yeah. it's a shame because I see kids every day. I'm telling you, you could. I have parents cry because they come in and I listen mm-hmm. and I tell them I think it's going that, and they and they start crying because I thought something else was going on, but nobody would believe me. Sometimes they want to say it's the parents, it's Munchausen's, all that stuff. So oh anyway, goodness. it's it's very important yeah. that people understand it. Yeah, in the UK, yes. and I, I imagine it, it's the, the, the same in the US where you are, we are seeing more and more reported cases of ADD, ADHD, you know, this kind of aggressive, compulsive, outbursted, distracted, lack of focus, 
obviously not as extreme perhaps as as autism, but is this also linked? You know, could that also be helped perhaps if I've got parents here who are listening thinking, oh, maybe I should, you know, be asking for some antibiotics and some anti-inflammatories to to treat something that I'd never associated with an inflamed brain? Well, I think the key is, I think there are a lot of clues to various of the things that can underlie. And so, again, and this is... uh, something that I put at the end of each chapter are questions and clues that you may be able to bring to a physician and say, and that may say, Hey, you know what? Maybe we ought to think about thyroid. Maybe we ought to think about the adrenals. Maybe we ought to think about low blood sugar. Maybe we ought to think about Lyme disease or Bartonella. Maybe we ought to think about strep or mycoplasma and immunity. And there are clues and there are various ways. I've, I've called this thing, the mood dysregulation spectrum, which consists of, I grafted, you know, from the, the, uh, least in, intensive psych symptoms from, you know, some things that we call teenage-itis, irritability and moodiness, you know, which right. can be, you know, that's I know that. present more in the home. But then, yeah, well, listen, how, how, you're, you're a kid, I'm sure you're teens, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Old, older teens, but yeah. <laughs> yeah the kid, the kid, your kid has a sleepover and the, and the parent says, I just want to tell you, your kid is the most kind, gentle uh, thoughtful kid I've ever seen, and you look at him and say, "You're talking about my kid." Your kid is the other one, one. <laughs> right? So it, yeah. you call that teenage itis, when you know, it's, okay. you know. But you know, you can go from uh, you know uh, anxiety, OCD, depression, panic disorders. Then you get into the more intense. You know, really severe psych, you know, mood, rapid mood swings with aggression and violence and mm-hmm. even psychotic features. So you can, you, 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 there are different pictures. I tried to give templates and you can try to graph your kid. On braininflame.com, there, you can actually download this, graph your kid and, and have a sense. Well, maybe, you know, yeah. like, my, this will lead me to the fact that maybe it is PANS, you know, or PANDAS, or I call it yeah. the tabby infection, infection triggered autoimmune brain inflammation, which is what I really think it is, and that describes it. But um, so the key is to be aware that it could be there and not make the diagnosis. This is not made for parents to make their own diagnoses. It's to, to be aware that it may, the awareness is always the first step. Awareness to me is the first step of any kind of transformation. And yeah. you bring that to your doctor, hopefully, and, you, and if they won't explore it with you, maybe you try to find someone else. And, and hopefully the psychiatrist also. I actually have psychiatrists refer me patients when they say, you know what, I really think something may be going on. It's not just psychiatric. If you've had a tick board, if, if you live in, if you live or visited tick-infected areas you know, that are endemic, you know, we have them here where I am in Dutchess County, sure. New York, two hours north of New York, endemic. If you go to Long Island, if you go to Connecticut, I don't know. I'm sure that, I mean, it's in every country, so I know you oh, have it yeah. in England I mean, as well. You know, it, 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 Interesting, you you talk about it. I mean, I'm living on a farm in the West Country, and I've I've had family who've been affected by Lyme's disease. But even I was hearing of reports of ticks in places in central London, in like you know Regent's Park and Richmond Park, where they, you know, yes. have animals and and dogs and and you know people being getting Lyme's disease from there and not even thinking about it. What is the connection there? If if somebody has got Lyme's disease or had it, what's the risk of things like psychosis in the brain? I mean, how, how exactly does that work and how would you treat it? Well, it's essential. So it's, it, it's actually, it's twofold because one, uh, Lyme can infect the brain itself and that's, you know, it's called neuroborreliosis or nervous system Lyme disease. So it can, 
It can affect the circulation to various parts of the brain. Um, and so it can manifest. If you look, when I give a lecture and I give the symptoms of neuroborreliosis, nervous system Lyme disease, it's just all across the waterfront, especially in kids. Because the one important thing to recognize in, right. in kids and adolescents, the psychiatric things may be the only ones. You may not see the fevers, chills, sweats, arthritis, um, headaches. You may only see uh, uh, psych symptoms. So it's so important to understand this because all the psych meds and all the therapy in the world will not really, it may help a little bit, but they're not going to get your kid better if they have Lyme disease or especially even Bartonella, which is a co-infection, which is really bad and cause what we call Bartonella rages and things. So you have to... You know, and they don't always get a tick bite or, or the classic bullseye rash. Uh, you know, yeah. probably half don't. So yeah. awareness is the key and then exploring it. And sometimes even if they got an antibiotic for a short time for a sinus infection or a sore throat, that may make it so they didn't even get the antibodies to the Lyme. So if you suspect it enough, sometimes you have to treat it. So, you know, I'm a clinician. I, I was raised that way in my medical school to treat patients the way I thought they needed to be treated. So labs are confirmatory. Yeah. A lot of the doctors are so limited by the labs and won't treat. And they have this, this kind of antiquated, I hate to say it, way of looking at it with this two-step approach. Uh, it's a Lyme titer, which is probably 55% accurate. And if you don't do the oh. Western blot, which we always do, which is a more specific test. So it's important to, the key is it's not, not trying to be scary in any way. It's to, it's to have the awareness Go to a doctor and discuss these things with him or her. And if they are not open or receptive at all and are just telling you it's anxiety, anxiety it may be anxiety. That's maybe what it be or OCD. But yeah. if you're missing these other things, it's, it, it doesn't bode well for your kid. That's, that's, that's the point that I, I like to make. Really. And, and moving on to adults, again, the same holds true. You know, can people be treated if these are things that have been going on for you know, many years, perhaps even decades, is it possible to help? Yeah. It is, I have to say, it's more difficult, um, mm -hmm. you know, because with adults, certainly as they get older, the inflammation can kind of move towards neurodegeneration, which of course is harder to reverse than just inflammation, like Parkinson's. Right. And there are cases of Parkinson's, even Alzheimer's, a recent article mm -hmm. coming out showing Lewy body dementia, that spirochetes. So, but you can't, it's very hard to diagnose. It doesn't always come up on it. It doesn't come up on a uh, spinal tap, maybe 30% at most. So uh, it's, right. these are very elusive. And the problem with these tick-borne things, especially Lyme, uh, Bartonella, they go intracellularly. So you try to look at them in the blood you, and, and in terms of the antibody response, not always there. They, uh, they hide behind biofilms so they can be difficult to treat and they morph from a spirochete to a round body, which requires a different type of antibiotic. So you really need to have somebody who knows how to treat these things. That's the important thing. And 10 days on an antibiotic or two weeks is not enough, mm -hmm. you know, even for a tick bite. We treat a tick bite for three weeks. And uh, yeah. unfortunately, uh, I'm not really very bullish on this two-pill two approach to a tick bite because yeah. I've seen many people who got that and, and later on got Lyme and it was missed because, they said, oh, I had a tick bite, but it was treated. Well... It, you know, we really feel, and I, I built my career in the early 80s on treating kids who were getting ear infections, getting multiple antibiotics, and I would have to treat their guts with probiotics and yeah. treat them for what we call a, you know, yeast, a fungal yeah. dysbiosis, from overgrowth from the antibiotics. 
So I, I was never a huge antibiotic person, but now because I treat so much mm -hmm. Lyme and tick-borne and the pans, pan, you, you have to be able to use the antibiotics because they really help, yeah. but you have to protect the patient. That's one of the keys. You have yeah. to protect the patient's yeah. gut and the microbiome and all of that. Mm. Yeah. I, I know people, you know, adults with Lyme's disease who really have been most successful with using something like doxycycline for a minimum of six weeks here. Yes. Yes, totally. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. very interesting. Let's move on to talk about nutrients, perhaps, because I know that there are people, there are doctors, integrated functional medicine doctors here, who are very interested in the role of um, minerals in the brain. And particularly when looking yeah. at things like ADHD and ADD, looking at a high copper load and a low zinc yeah. level. Is this something that you also look at? Yes, that's the Pfeiffer approach. It's the Carl Pfeiffer approach. And yeah. it is true uh, that many of the kids I see, including even in the spectrum, and kids with psych issues can have a high copper and therefore need zinc because zinc antagonizes copper and they're low in zinc. And also they have this thing called cryptopyro, so they need zinc and B6. So nutrients yeah. can really definitely affect uh, psych problems, no question. And I look at that in every patient. I look at minerals and heavy metals, mm -hmm. because lead and mercury can as well, but the zinc copper balance. I mean, they get really into it, and they and, and I think sometimes uh, some of the people I know have gotten carried away that that's the only thing, and I, I think they missed the boat. But I do believe that uh, mineral balances are very, very important, no question. I mean, magnesium is another one. Zinc and magnesium are cofactors in so many hundreds of metabolic reactions, and and most people are magnesium deficient as well. So um, yeah. and that can cause you know anxiety because it's a very calming nutrient. Sure. And the, the key I would say about nutrients is that it's not enough, enough just to use a nutrient. You have to use the proper doses. So my thing would always be proper nutrients at proper doses. And a lot of people get a multiple and they think, I have everything in this multiple. And if you look at the actual <laughs> milligram, it may be micrograms. So they say 100 mm -hmm. micrograms, uh, which is 0.1 milligrams. And they think, wow, I got 100 well, the micrograms is nothing, but it's, it's, it's put in there to be deceptive, I think, unfortunately, because it's really a matter of dose matters. It, it, it is. Yeah. Same thing with the zinc and copper ratio and, and zinc and B6. Dose does yeah. matter. And so we use our nutrients like medicines. You have to dose them appropriately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I have direct experience of this, which I've talked about before uh, with a member of my family with acute anxiety who was massively helped by very high doses of vitamin D. She was found not to be transporting or absorbing vitamin D very well. And literally within four days of having, you know, what would be considered high doses of vitamin D completely changed mood and anxiety and sleep. Is vitamin D something that you also use? Totally. In fact, it's funny you say that because that's probably uh, goes to the genetic predisposition that they don't handle, yeah. zinc, uh, they don't handle vitamin D very well, whether it be the yeah. receptor or what have you. And so they need higher doses. And also vitamin D. So when I talked about the blood-brain barrier, it's very interesting. There are several nutrients that help, um, or should I say, fortify the blood-brain barrier or restore the integrity of the blood-brain mm -hmm. barrier so that it can help to keep the inflammatory mediators out. One is vitamin D, right? Mm -hmm. First of all, lowering stress, of course, is another one because stress does it. But also... Um, it's veritrol, the, 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 uh, in, in, in really? red grapes and red wine. Yeah, and red, oh, yeah red wine. Resveratrol. Great news. 
<laughs> yes, it is very good news, especially for uh, my, my friends, the Europeans. You know, and we, we love yeah. our really good red wine. And um, so, and, and I use supplements because I use higher doses. And you, you, you know, to get those higher doses, you may have to drink a lot of wine. So that may be a problem. But um, but resveratrol is really very, uh, really very, very important in that. And there are many nutrients. Curcumin we use. Curcumin and turmeric is the is yeah, a very, very potent anti-inflammatory, very potent. So we use all these oh, things in concert. Yeah. yeah, because it's, I mean, it's literature. This is not just like, you know, that's what I'm saying. This is yeah, all I supported. When mm -hmm. I give lectures, mm -hmm. all the citations. Um, mm. and, and we're learning more as we go. But I think the key is also so you want to balance the microbiome because yes. when you can balance the microbiome in the gut, and you can help restore the integrity of the gut lining. There, we would also use maybe uh, zinc and glutamine, um, and then you also then can add some of the other nutrients specifically for the blood-brain barrier, and you really can help quiet inflammation. This doesn't happen right away because it takes a while for the nutrients yeah. to be assimilated. Also, uh, anti-inflammatory omega-3 essential fat officials. They yes. are anti-inflammatory, and yes. they can also help. So we have, we really do a whole very like kind of, that's where I'd say an integrative anti-inflammatory program with also an anti-inflammatory diet. Sugar is inflammatory. Gluten and dairy can be inflammatory, especially yeah. in certain patients. So a lot of times we'll, we'll put people, you know, and they're not celiac, most of them. Right? Occasionally we find no. a celiac, but many of them will have a, a gluten sensitivity or intolerance. And by taking that away, sometimes dairy, you have to make sure you give calcium and magnesium, taking away the dairy, sure. that you can you can make a, a big difference in, in in quieting down the inflammation. And it's amazing to watch. It really is amazing to watch. I mean, we've I seen, bet. I mean, it can take a long time. It can take a while for some of these kids. I mean, some of these kids, the stories are heartbreaking. I mean, literally, mm. and I think, you know, I've told some of them in the book and when I hear them. Uh, you know, mm. the parents a lot of times start crying because finally they found someone who listens. And also, I, you know, I can never tell anybody I'm going to definitely help you. But I think, you know, I, say, I think I may be able to help you because I think there is brain inflammation. And I think there may be something we're going to try to figure out what's driving it. And then we'll try to remediate it. And, you know, I, I, luckily I've been fairly successful in the approach. And uh, that's why, you know, my staff says, you're going to retire, doctor? They're worried about me retiring. So why would I retire? I love it. I love it. It's just, yeah. you know, it's very gratifying. Yeah. Well, that's a very positive note to end on. And, you know, I highly, highly recommend your book. And I just think that so much of what you're talking about is going to really resonate with people listening. Um, I'm very glad to hear that you're not going to retire. And I hope that we can come back and perhaps revisit some of the other things in the future, because this has just been such a fascinating conversation. Thank you so very much for your time. My pleasure. It's really nice to meet you and talk. It's great. Thank you. Well, wasn't that just so interesting? And that is it for today's episode. Lots of resources to take a look at. You will find those in the podcast. Hi, this is Kristen. And this is Jen from My Mom So Hard. And we're here to talk about By Heart. Do you remember when you were nursing and you were like, I want to give the best thing I can to my baby? Well, we've got that for you. It's called By Heart, and it is a infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Curious about By Heart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com slash podcast with code MOMS20 for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. Tell them my mom so hard sent you. 
Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I am a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness, and they come in five different flavors. They're so good wild berry acai grape pineapple mango lemon and mandarin orange my favorite is the wild berry because i just i just love a berry so if you're like me and you're drinking water all day then try splash refresher it's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details notes you will find them in the links on lizardwellbeing.com so do please go there or if you're watching this on youtube you can click the links below a huge thanks to kenneth for joining me and as always we do put all the information up that you need to access so much of what we talked about you can also head to lizardwellbeing.com and there you can sign up for the free weekly newsletter packed with so much information on all things to do with well-being, mental health and more. Before I go, huge thanks to all of you who have left us such lovely reviews for this little podcast. It really does help others to find the show and potentially the real life-changing help that they might need. So thank you for that. And thank you for clicking those little five-star review buttons as well. It's very much appreciated. Until the next time we chat, go well. Bye-bye. The Lizelle Wellbeing Show is presented by me, Lizelle, with production by Amara Lizelle and Harry Trevithick at Heart Dialogue, with thanks to my producer, Ellie Smith, research assistant, Martha Comerford, and guest booker, Millie de la Morinière.